Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, and welcome into episode 10 of Kayfabe Council, the show where we review and critique news topics and segments in the world of professional wrestling. My name is Pretty Tony, and alongside me is TF Joker. Joker, what's the crack? That's well, it's an awful lot cooler this week, PT, so, you know, I'm not doing too bad this week. I've gotten quite a bit more sleep and enjoyed quite a lot less wrestling this week. Fair enough. On the other hand, it is extremely hot for me today. It's upwards of about 97 degrees Fahrenheit, so it's a uh, it's a rough one out there today. So remember, folks, stay hydrated. Mm, I would not want to be sitting in that weather. It's not fun, and uh, it's no. been a little it's been a little rough as well because it's been hot during the night, so sleep hasn't been the greatest. But you know, we uh, we get it where we can. Yeah, I definitely would have to uh, be sleeping on top of the bed, over the covers, windows open. <laughs> Just kind of like, come to me sleep, because I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, trying to stay cool as best we can. So, mm. If you have some fans, if you have some air conditioning, if you have whatever you can, some cool showers, definitely, again, try to stay cool and stay hydrated. And remember to take care of yourself, especially during these hot summer months. But also, as a quick aside, uh, thank you everyone for checking out our latest episode as well as our latest couple shorts that have gotten a bit of traction on YouTube. So thank you so much for checking them out. Uh, we are pleasantly surprised, and, and thank you again so much. Yeah, we, we were sat last night chatting about what we were going to do today, and PT looks across and goes, you uh, realize that you know, this is happening right now. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. You know, so yeah, it was very, very, very uh, nice to see. It was very good, uh, very good uh, little segment that I thought that would be uh, really, really good. And PT edited it and uh, made it just amazing. So, um, you know, couldn't have done it without PT, obviously. Uh, and it was just thank you very much for watching. Yeah, thank you again. Um... With the shorts, I'm trying a newer piece of trying to push myself in terms of editing and add a little bit of variety and kind of fun with the edits. So uh, if that's something you definitely like to see further down the line, definitely let us know. And again, thank you so much for checking us out. As a reminder, you can find us in video form at youtube.com slash kayfabecouncil and in audio form wherever you get your podcasts from. On this week's episode, we look at Vince McMahon retires from WWE, and we're going to look at the SummerSlam card and give our predictions. But coming up first, Vince McMahon retires from WWE. So at the time of recording, which would be Saturday, July 23rd, we found out yesterday, late breaking news, that Vince McMahon has retired from the WWE, he released a tweet here. It says, quote, at 77, time for me to retire. Thank you, WWE Universe. Then, now, forever, together. Hashtag WWE and hashtag thank you. And then followed up soon thereafter with an official statement that reads, quote, as I approach 77 years old, I feel it's time for me to retire as chairman and CEO of WWE. 
Throughout, throughout the years, it's been a privilege to help WWE bring you joy, inspire you, thrill you, surprise you, and always entertain you. I would like to thank my family for mightily contributing to our success, and I would also like to thank all of our past and present superstars and employees for their dedication and passion for our brand. Most importantly, I would like to thank our fans for allowing us into your homes every week and being your choice of entertainment. I hold the deepest appreciation and admiration for our generations of fans all over the world who have liked, currently like, and sometimes even love our form of sports entertainment. Our global audience can take comfort in knowing WWE will continue to entertain you with the same fervor, dedication, and passion as always. I'm extremely confident in the continued success of WWE, and I leave our company in the capable hands of an extraordinary group of superstars, employees, and executives, in particular both chairwoman and co-CEO Stephanie McMahon and co-CEO Nick Khan. As the majority shareholder, I will continue to support WWE in any way I can. My personal thanks to our community and business partners, shareholders, and board of directors for their guidance and support throughout the years. Then, now, forever, together. So the unthinkable has happened. Hell have frozen over the thing that shall never be legitimately happened. Vince McMahon has stepped away completely from WWE, has retired as CEO and chairman, as well as head of creative for WWE. So to start us off, Joker, how, what is your, what are your thoughts? What was your reaction when you heard the news? Okay. Uh, so my immediate, First of all, actually, let me, let me just preface everything I say with I am not a hat-wearing person. And what that means is I have several hats to wear tonight when it comes to my opinion and the opinions that are currently surrounding this entire story. Um, I will have my tinfoil hat, I will have my fan hat, and I will have my looking to the future fat, uh, fat man hat. So it's, you know, it's, it's, it's out there. These are the ones that I'm going to be trying to out and articulate but my immediate reaction was what because no like you said like hell hath frozen over like he was in an interview with pat mcafee earlier this year saying i'm never going to retire you're paraphrasing i'm never going to retire uh obviously there have been ongoing legal issues that have possibly forced his hand uh, to take this very public step back uh, and retirement um, and appointing his daughter co-CEO alongside uh, Nick Khan. It was, it was the biggest news of the week um, that I don't think anyone could have predicted was ever going to come because even though we joked about it, and a lot of people in the internet community, internet wrestling community, will joke about, you know, well, he should retire. Some people are obviously serious. Um, and, you know, he, he's out of touch and things like this here. He was never going to retire. We were all pretty aware of that. Um, uh, his name is synonymous with WWE, for better or for worse. And 
I, I think that this is something that I don't think I'm done reacting to, if I'm perfectly honest with you. I think that's a fair assessment, especially we had our pre-production meeting yesterday and we were deciding on what we wanted to cover and, and I was beginning to do research for the show. And then all of a sudden at 4.05 Eastern Standard Time, we get this tweet from Vince, and then subsequently the statement I read out, and sort of a bit in shock. And I think that's apropos because of the points you made. Again, just being on the Pat McAfee show maybe a month, two months ago. I'll never retire. It's the thing that he's basically spearheaded the company for the last 40 years, essentially, and he's always been at the forefront and head of creative and everything, and he's been a prominent piece on and, on and behind camera. So when you think of WWE, and for some folks, when you think of wrestling, this is Vince McMahon. So, again, since this is still fresh in our mind and this just happened, I, th I think folks are trying to react and kind of come to... I wouldn't say come to terms or come to grip, but it's definitely adjustment, you know, for this is something that, again, we'd never think would ever have happened and type of thing. And it's quite a, quite a change and quite a, quite a range of emotion and from not only ourselves, but from everybody, from the fans to the superstars to employees and, and things of that nature. So it's quite the... Quite the story, quite the moment, quite, quite the change. Yeah, I'm gonna put my first hat on, and it's gonna be the tinfoil hat. I'm gonna gonna throw some conspiracy your way, and you're gonna laugh, or you're gonna be like, "Joker, be quiet, please." Um, and obviously, him remaining the majority shareholder, and him, uh, it's it's unclear as to whether or not he appointed staff, but it. Regardless of whether or not he did so, she is still family. And this just means that he can have her ear. So in my in my tinfoil hat brain, this is not, you know, this is devil's advocate, tinfoil hat, conspiracy theorist, Sami Zayn, parody, whatever you want to call it. Um, you know, he can still have that sort of um just whispering in her ear things, the direction the company should be going, according to him. And now, obviously, Steph is uh, is a very uh, accomplished executive within the company and recently came back after taking time away to spend with her family. Uh, so definitely very family-oriented as well. Um, and even last night with her short promo, I suppose you can call it a promo, uh, she had mouthed the words that she loves her dad, um, and so obviously there, there is that familial connection. I don't think anyone would ever take that away, regardless of what's going on outside of the uh, the cameras and, and uh, SmackDown and Raw, etc. So tinfoil hat, he's still in control. Yeah, the notion of a McMahon essentially being in, or at least the head of WWE. We've seen it now with the appointment of Stephanie being the chairwoman and now co-CEO is uh, super interesting. So at least in the superfluous or the minute sense, we still have 
a McMahon representing the company. Mm-hmm. So it's again, it's uh, since it's still fresh in our mind, it, it's still sort of hard to articulate sort of what to think, you know, and and that's okay yeah. because so there's um, not quite the elephant in the room, but there were a lot of folks that think Vince in terms of the way he thinks and sort of the way he does creative was out of touch and sort of old school and kind of not sort of keeping up with the times. And there are a lot of folks that are relieved in a sense. There are a lot of folks that are happy or, you know, kind of joyous that he's stepping away from the company. There are folks that are maybe a little bit kind of upset, which is again, okay to be, you know, uh, type of thing. my point I'm driving home is it's it's okay to to be confused and to be not find exactly the way to feel or know how to feel. He's been the head of the company for 40 plus years. And if you are into wrestling, for better or for worse, like Joker had mentioned, he's had an impact on entertainment, on pro wrestling for these number of decades. And if you have watched wrestling, you're probably aware of him and He's brought you entertainment that you enjoyed that you didn't. And again, the not knowing what to think or how to feel is is okay because now it's going to be a change. So and change is not always easy or comfortable to deal with. Yeah, and that kind of leads into my next hat, my fan hat. I wish I really had hat props. You could have lent me some hats, PT. That'd have been nice. Um and the fan hat, basically, from my point of view, I am one of the fans that I am happy that he is going. Uh, he's a 77-year-old man, kicking the arse off 70. To be honest, he should have been uh, probably thinking about retirement a while ago. Regardless of his love for the company, his love for the business, I did personally think he was um out of touch i am one of those individuals that some of the directions uh, always going with the big guy never letting the characters drive the narrative always wanting the even though i'm a fan of the uh the big power guys i do like um you know i do like your individuals like the pat mcafee's of the world the theories like their 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 size uh, is really good. Like Seth Rollins is a prime example. Like he's not a big jacked yoke machine like Bobby Lashley or Brock Lesnar. Um, you know, even you know someone of the the Miz, or you know, if you're going over to the smaller side, your Johnny Gargano's, uh, your Tommaso Ciampa's. You know, the size of of those individuals who are only a little bit smaller, but height wise, you know, um, like he never really saw too much uh, in those individuals, even so far as a while ago, there was the rumors around Adam Cole being moved to the main roster as a manager. Now, Adam Cole, love him or hate him, he's a great wrestler. And so how could you have this um, legend of the business, uh, the big Booker man himself, Vincent Kennedy McMahon, unable to see how great this character was, how good he was in the ring, how amazing it was the promos, and it was just how do you not see these and 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 push on and and go for these bigger guys who can't work, and then you 
you'll lose uh you'll lose fans you'll lapse fans etc because uh, the other thing with um the other thing with uh, all of the all of this change is i really hope to see a resurgence in unscripted promos because the scripted promos that he had people writing had people like Simon Miller of What Culture going, you know, having skits that say nobody talks like that. Do you know what I mean? Some of the promos sucked. And even to this day, their delivery is terrible. And it's just please let these people be characters in their own way. Let them discover it. Let them, you know, work with the teams to get this this promo right. As opposed to here's a script, read it word for word. Try and do some delivery, and yeah, we'll see what happens. You hit the nail on the head. I think there's been a lot of dynamic change and small changes throughout Vince's tenure as head of the company and then also head of creative. We've seen different body types. We've seen different athleticisms. We've seen different things kind of become popular. Um, through Vince's tenure, just a, a bit of background for those that aren't aware. Uh, in 1968, McMahon made his debut as an in-ring announcer on the WWWF, which is the Worldwide Wrestling Federation's All-Star Wrestling. In 1982, Vince purchased the business from his ailing father, Vincent J. McMahon, in 19, which then saw the blossom in from the Golden Age, which folks would call, of the Super Show with WrestleMania into the Hulkamania era, into the sort of big renaissance and kind of popularity boom in the 80s. We see a transition to in around 93 when the company entered the New Generation era, which then forego the sort of big, uh, large male, superhuman, the action figure physiques into a little bit more of an agile, most, most notably the Bret Hart's and the Shawn Michaels, so a bit more athleticism, and then transitioning into a more mature-oriented attitude era, most notably with the good guy versus a bad guys promo on December 15th, 1997. So we see a, a large change in the structure of how the show is presented and how these characters are portrayed. Segwaying to the Ruthless Aggression era starting in 2002 with some new stars and the Attitude era uh, mainstays kind of waning out and being filtered out. Going PG in, two, in July of 2008, which we've seen a large shift in kind of branding and kind of seeing different things culminate and, and more athletes and more athleticism being shown there. And then finally going towards the now or the most recent unofficially reality era. We have a lot more social media interaction and a lot more voices being heard and, and, and things and kind of changes into how they're presented, who's presented, how they're promoting, things of that nature. So Vince has shown us with over the last 40 years especially, obviously the little trip down history lane, what's being pushed, who's being pushed, how they're being pushed, the, the types of athleticisms, the types of physiques, the type of storylines that are being shown and being consumed. And it's just, it's been 
a gradual change, but we've seen so much different presentations, I'll say. And Vince, Vince has kind of showed us and it's, it's been his creative direction, but this is kind of what we're, we're seeing. And now we're not to say that, where do we go from here? But we've, we've seen a large change over the course of, again, these past 40 years. Yeah. Um, it's time for the last hat for me, you know, the, where do we go to the future? Uh, and you, you cannot go towards the future without looking towards your past, uh, in my belief. And the fact that you took us down a wee trip on History Lane was really, really good and uh, interesting to see where we had been with always uh, starting off way, way back when to where we are now and all the different sort of eras uh, of, the, of the shows uh, for WWF, WWE, etc. Um, we have been in this PG era for a long time and nothing seems to have changed. Whereas if you look at the other eras, there were times of change. There were times of new individuals coming through, influencing the next stage of evolution, as it were, for uh, the, the WWE as it would become. And you had such amazing uh, response to those changes because it wasn't as if people initially hated uh, the Ruthless Aggression era, because like the stars that came out in the Ruthless Aggression era, as well as the Attitude era, you know, everything before um, were amazing. The PG era had its quirks and has some really good stories to tell and has some really good breakout stars. I'm interested to see now where we go with TV 14 as it comes uh, through, uh, where two weeks ago it was, it was leaked early. It wasn't supposed to be. I think next week was the scheduled time. There's still no confirmation, so whatever. The TV 14 is coming, I hope. Uh, but with that, I hope that a new scheme for writing to not so much as we have to revert to a, a, a sweary show. We don't have to add in more and more swears um, just to get them added in. It's a self-regulation of TV 14, which allows them to uh, do it if it's desired. So if you have a very intense promo, for example, uh, whenever you have the likes of Ricky Starks doing a promo on AEW, he gets very heated and he has to hold himself back sometimes. I want a character to do that. If there is a character in WWE that does come up that needs that drive and needs that heat behind them and, and get that out of the promo that that emotion to come out of the promo i need to see that but there's very few individuals at the minute that feel like they're doing a legitimately uh natural promo as it were that is getting that sort of energy out of them especially whenever you have two individuals like um uh, like Seamus and Drew in the ring from SmackDown last night, who were stood there, longtime friends and rivals. You know, they came up in the business together. You know, they've done a whole bunch of work together. They fight, you know, they drink, they laugh. They're great friends. And uh, the promos that they cut, I was just kind of sat there going, who got Seamus to say this awful promo because it was awful like it was terrible 
Why, why are you saying it's a Donnybrook match? Just say we're going to have a Donnybrook. Like, we're having a Donnybrook, lads. That's what we're going to do. We're going to take a whole bunch of these shillelies, we're going to go out in the parking lot, and we're going to have us a Donnybrook. Have you got a problem with that? Let him have, I don't know, a natural cadence to whatever it was supposed to be doing. Because that promo was so restricted. And I looked at that and I watched Drew respond and I listened to him and I just went, no, nah, no, nah, I think I'm good. And it's a Donnybrook match. It's supposed to be a fight. Like, that's what it's, it's no limits kind of, you know, this sort of thing. So, like, the natural essence of what that's supposed to be is already lost by saying match. And that's kind of where I want to get away from and go towards the future where you have these more natural promos, um, less emphasis on uh, the the band list of words that they have. Like, get rid of that. Scrap that, please. You know, go back to calling people fans or the WWE Universe. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm perfectly fine with both of them. Uh, get rid of premium live, live event. Go back to pay-per-view. That is just awful terminology. Whatever. You know, Try and revert to things that make sense. I get that you're a sports entertainment uh, company. Try and play off that. We're not asking you to be a wrestling company. We understand where you're going. Um, but it would be nice to be sports entertained rather than sports bored. There's two things that make me want to share from what you just said. The first being, and thank you for bringing it up, the terms of sort of ratings and not well, rating in the sense of <clears throat> the television ratings. So in terms of when we think about rating itself, right, for example, like PG or TV 14, mm -hmm. what we naturally think of is we jump to movie ratings. So when we think about movie ratings, it's different in the sense of a movie gets a rating because they have an edit. It's sent to uh, the review board and the review, the review board comes back and say, hey, this is rated PG, this is rated PG-13, this is rated R, or, and they sort of don't give a huge list of things, but they're like, all right, because of these things, that's what we're saying. When it comes to television, to your point, it's self-regulated. So if they say, this is, this is rated PG, or this is rated TV-14, and you'll notice they have these little characters up in the top, you know, like LVS, things of that nature the sense of a television rating is a guide that they sort of self-impose and they give themselves to say like, Hey, this is kind of the parameters we're looking to fill in. We may, we may have like some suggested violence. We might have some suggestive language, things of that nature. So it's not like it's saying, you know, uh, this is going to happen. They could, they could have a TV, TV, uh, 14 rating and still do exactly the same thing no swearing no things like that so again it's more of a sort of in self-imposed thing uh, in terms of a rating system than it would be as opposed to a film rating so the second point you noticed uh, you mentioned there is about sort of the the changing of the of the guard and the changing of the things that you would like to see and I'm with you on board because, again, with Vince stepping away, especially from creative, we have a potentially opportunity to see some things changed up a little bit. We don't know at the moment who's going to be overseeing creative. 
whether it's going to be a head or maybe a, a committee or things of that nature, we just don't know. But well, I'm sure we'll find out sooner rather than later. But I can see I can see things like loosening the the straps or the belt on you know terms like hey maybe we can call them fans you know as well as the WWE universe for example and maybe having things like there might always have writers but maybe like all right here here maybe some bullet points or here's some things that you, we want you to hit and kind of kind of hit your time and, and hit all your points things like we might not to your point about uh, Lord of Ricky Starks maybe holding himself back from throwing in a, a curse word, for example. I don't think we're going to hear an effin' and Jeffin' on the show, but we might hear, you know, uh, somebody might say uh, an S-word, for example, type of thing like that. So kind of throw it in periodically. So to drive this point home, even though we may be potentially going towards uh, a change in creative potentially or maybe how they format it or how they look at it per se if it's something like that i can see it being sort of a gradual change it's not going to be like all right in two weeks raw is the only show that's going to be tv 14 so we're going to have some swearing and we're going to have you know we're uh, raw is going to be the only show that we're going to allow blood on it and things like that i don't it's not going to sort of happen like that three hours of swearing <laughs> yeah it's going to be, it'll be gradual changes. I'm sure that'll be made. It's something we might be like, oh, okay, they threw in a swear word on a, on a show, for example, um, and things well, of that, that nature. That is, so. that is to the point. Like, yeah. it, it's not the fact that, uh, and thanks for the clarification of the, yeah. of, the, of the rating system as well, because the rating system is very different between film and TV, and it's very, very important to make that point. Um, because, like, Whenever I mentioned the Ricky Starks thing, he held himself back from completing a swear word, which kind of had you hooked on the, oh, was he about to, that adds to it, that sports entertainment, that's a good promo, that's him hitting the beat, getting the people going, oh, oh, is he going to say it? Oh, he didn't say it. Mm. And then you even have, like, whenever he was getting heated up, you have Taz on commentary going, oh, watch it, Ricky. You know, he's, he's, you know, behind this whole uh pushing ricky to say what he should be saying and uh you know i'm, I'm not saying that they're immediately going to turn to aw and have swearing uh and you know to the level uh of unscripted promos immediately that they do um because let's face it some people do benefit from scripted promos i'm not saying everybody does but i'm saying you should not script everyone there are some people who benefit from it and that they will do really well with it. And there's people who have a little bit of freedom that can do without it. And the people like the Sami Zayn's of the world, scripted or unscripted, the man's great on the mic. Seth Rollins, the exact same. Theory, you could probably script him a little bit if he's scripted now. Like, maybe, you know, quit with some of the really trash stuff you're getting them to say um pat mcafee don't script that man ever yes give him beats to hit but don't script him you know and it's just one of those things like i would really like to see this level of outside the ring change because inside the ring there's something completely different that needs changed in my opinion yeah, I'm in agreement with you that I think it'll be gradual. We'll still have a writing team. 
I think it'll be, I think it'll be again for some of the folks that just need, all right, just give me the script. I'll memorize it. I'll read it word for word. And there, and then there are other folks like for me, for example, like when it comes to our rundowns and, and things like that, I have my bullet points or I have my beats that, okay, we want to sort of hit these things and kind of go on like that. And I think I work better in that. A lot of the stuff I do on, especially in these episodes is, is improv or freestyle and kind of work into those pieces like that. So I feel like I, you know, for me, for example, I work better that way, but I agree that it's to, to drive home the point. We both think that it's not going to be an immediate change. They're not going to be things that they're going to dissolve right away. There might be some things that they'll gradually phase out and give little people more freedoms and gradually try new things and kind of see, but it's yet to be shown and yet to be seen. And I, but I think again, with, with Vince not being there, there's a little bit more hope for the future for maybe those folks that were disenfranchised by the Vince's inside and outside of the ring behavior and kind of the creative. I feel like folks might potentially come back to the product more. Yeah. And and let's face it, Vince has done an outstanding job throughout the years of being synonymous with wrestling. But the reason he is leaving is despicable so there are an awful lot of individuals who will see this as if as, as a victory for people getting justice and him having to step away and honestly i'm never gonna pat this man on the back because what he did was downright disgusting if you know if this is all coming to bear and he does uh, have to see these people in court and deal with these people in court. That is with him and them to do. I don't need to hear any more about this uh, about this situation. Not because I don't want to, but it's not something that I feel that you know victims of any issue should have to go through in a public uh, public eye. So, yes, he is gone. He has done an awful lot for wrestling. I think we can all agree. Now it is the time to move on without him and go towards a future where we can, you know, where we can evolve again in the sports entertainment industry. And I would really like to see what WWE looks like without his influence at all. And if that means that we have, you know, a team of writers beholden to no head booker, or a new head booker who is more um, who's more friendly towards you know not putting on the same matches every week, week in, week out, uh, screwy finishes, because uh, like these are the things that I was saying inside the ring that need to change. Like the screwy finishes need to go away. Use them more sporadically. I don't think there's anything more you can say about that. Um, the constant need for running it back three, four times a week. Like, come on. Let's have a nice big have a nice big promo, nice big segment with these guys in it. Let them air everything out. And then maybe a couple of weeks down the line, because we haven't seen them, they come back and they do something else. You know? But we definitely have to see and I'm, this is the, the the one thing that I'm excited about. We get to see what the WWE is without uh, Vincent Kennedy McMahon in our lifetime. For sure, we're moving into uncharted waters here. And with 
to just finally reiterate that Vince has been a part of this machine for 40 years, and it's the first time without him being at the helm of it. Um, kind of looking at this last point here, there's sort of been a meme going around, uh, and I've been sharing it with Joker as well, with the ascension of not only Stephanie as chairwoman and co-CEO, but Nick Khan. <laughs> and the era of Khan, Tony and Nick, taken over the American pro wrestling business. The ascension of Nick Khan in a very short amount of time has been quite interesting. I know, I know it's uh, it's completely had Conan, and I said this to you a while ago. It's like it's going to come out that Nick and Tony are secretly brothers, like, and they're they're just taking over the wrestling industry, and this is the thing that's going to happen. And the meme that that PT was alluding to was the whole Mortal Kombat tour of uh, of you know progressing up to the Shao Khan, obviously being uh, Vincent. And um, yeah, it was it was great to see that as well. And you always see the Tony Khan just eliminating everyone one by one by one. And now only Stephanie stands in his way. Yeah, it, it's the Khan's era of wrestling instead of the McMahon's. Like, um, I'm, I'm I'm still head canon in this secret brotherhood, dude. Yeah, so uh, we'll move past the Mortal Kombat memes of it, but. Or the for the cons, or the if you're interested in the Star Trek, the with both Tony Khan running AEW being point person, and now Nick Khan being a co CEO and and a high ranking member of the board of directors, they're both come from a business background, and the point I'm going to drive home is it'll be good to see how. Now, with Nikon being a high point person for WWE, again, with that business background, how maybe how some of the things we've seen more recently with his involvement and kind of thing, how that's going to parlay a little bit more sort of outside the ring and potentially, because he's maybe, from what I understand, what I'm familiar with, not sort of going to going to be or sort of uh, entrenched in the creative aspect of it, but that notwithstanding, how that his leadership or co-leadership with Stephanie and the other board of directors plays into how we are going to see potentially slow changes into WWE. I just hope that they're not too slow, though. Like, I, I get we're not going to be getting, you know, speedy changes, and um, there, there's no... News as of yet being only one day old uh, at time of recording uh, of any uh, issues between the pair as co-CEOs. Um, and I hope that there is none for the foreseeable future. Uh, yeah, it, it's, it's all about trying to move away from one image and make it their own. But as as in you know business as in life, you're always going to try and want to leave your mark, and I'm sure Nick Khan will want to leave his mark on WWE before long, uh, and I'm sure Stephanie will as well. Uh, whether or not she brings back uh, Women's Evolution pay per view, uh, you know more spotlight uh, on the uh, the women's wrestling brings back the 
rumored defunct women's tag team titles in both NXT and main roster, uh, you know, is yet to be seen. But uh, I, I for one, would like to see a little bit better booking around that situation uh, just in general. So if I get uh, a CEO, uh, either Stephanie or Nick, that is going to fight for a, a better uh, women's division uh, as a whole, not just having a couple of stars, um, then, you know, I, I'm going to be happy. Yeah, so it remains to be seen again with it being roughly one to two days old at the time of release. Brand new, big changes, drastic change in, in the shift for WWE, but we are hopeful for the future. Again, we're going to lean towards it's going to be a little bit more gradual. It's not going to be quick changes, but we are going to see how this thing plays out. So if you have thoughts on Vince McMahon retiring from WWE, let us know down in the comment section below on YouTube or hit us up on Twitter and Instagram. All right, coming up to our next topic here. Switching gears, we have SummerSlam coming up this coming Saturday. So we're going to take a look at the matchups here and share our predictions. So the first one we are looking at here is going to be Logan Paul versus The Miz. So this is going to be an interesting matchup here. Again, the, I, forgive me, even though I am a person of social media sort of illiteracy, even though I'm on the social medias, I don't know a ton about Logan, Logan Paul. I know he's, he's done a bunch on YouTube and, and some other things as well, but Social media star coming from the outside, again, had some appearances before, had the matchup at WrestleMania, and again, the the turn from Miz on him. So now we're having this matchup coming up for them at SummerSlam. They had the confrontation this past week on Monday Night Raw, and yeah, it's just going to be an interesting matchup. He did show some quite a large amount of athleticism within the matchup itself at, at WrestleMania, but that was a tag match with three other guys in the match. So it's going to remain to be seen how it's going to play out on a one-on-one matchup. So Joker, what do you, what do you make of this one? Um, so I'm, I'm in the same boat, not really knowing the background of Logan Paul. Obviously he has, uh, previous forays into, uh, boxing as well. Uh, and just, generally making a name for himself on YouTube, like you had mentioned, uh, even so far as to buying uh, a very expensive Pokemon card and walking down to the ring uh, at WrestleMania wearing it, which has now made it into 2K22, I believe, because uh, he's part of the latest DLC for that too. Um, I've, I really don't know what to make of him because we have such a small sample size like you said it was a tag match there's three other guys in that match how do we rate him it's really difficult because he's had one wishy-washy promo that so was like miz i'm coming for you and then he was student you know he's trying to seem all hard and uh and then he stands in the ring and he looks kind of awkward just standing there facing the miz like Maybe he shouldn't have been told to get into the ring with the Miz. 
maybe he should have been the one in the ring with the Miz playing the you know playing the cowardly hail at the top of the ramp sort of thing instead of Miz inviting him onto the show. It's like we all knew this was going to be a match. Why are we trying to you know finagle this into something weird? Um, I don't know. I think you're in safe hands though with the Miz. Uh, we have seen some uh some success with Bad Bunny previously coming in and doing some amazing work uh in the ring whenever he was uh whenever he was partnering with uh Damien Priest of all people. Uh so you know there is that sort of benchmark uh that I've seen people going, is he gonna be as good as Bad Bunny? And we honestly can't tell you. He did show off some skill. But is that going to be enough? I don't know. It remains to be seen. The I do like your points about again. He's shown some some great athleticism, but again, it's being protected by those other three mat those other three guys in the tag team match. And I do agree with your point that the Miz has shown that he can be a reliable hand. We've seen him pull off reasonably good matches with Shane at WrestleMania 35. Again, not known to be the greatest of worker. The aforementioned Bad Bunny match being tagged up with Damian Priest against Miz as well as John Morrison. So I believe Miz will take care of him. But again, the it's different to see Logan now, the aforementioned promo on Raw in, for example, YouTube videos. You can edit it down and kind of make yourself clean up as opposed to a improv live performance where you got to hit your marks and kind of feel comfortable in that role. Maybe he's not that specifically at the moment. So again, it's a different performing aspect and piece. It's a little bit more like a live theater situation, that notwithstanding. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's going to be interesting. I know they're trying to push him as a big baby face, but I did notice during his walk to the ring and during his promo, he was getting some booze. And I know that the wrestling community and fans themselves can be a little tribal and to say that we, when folks come from the outside, they're not always greeted graciously, especially if they want to get into the ring and cut promos and or wrestle. So, you know, we like we like our wrestlers and we like our stars. So, I, again, they want to push him as a baby face, but he was getting some booze. So. Yeah, I don't think I'll say anything down to other than the fact that he was uh, just generally reviled around the internet. Um, like, that's that's people coming in and going... Yeah, that's we know that guy. He he's trying to make a name for himself doing all this stupid stuff. Like I think even I can't remember if it was Floyd May- uh, Mayweather or if it was another boxer, but he stole her hat and ran away with it a while ago, like in this really obscene little stunt. Like, why would you do this? Just and then you re- realize, well, he's a clout chaser. He's you know he's out there trying to make a name for himself doing this stuff. And he was he was in and around the boxing scene at the time, so it made sense uh, for him to do it at that point. And um, the unfortunate thing is, if they're going to be doing this kind of like the Bad Bunny situation, um, and they're they're putting him in with the Miz. The Miz will make him look good, but I do believe they may end up giving Logan Paul the win here uh, to build him up, because there's no way you would show him off as signing something and then 
hit him in his first match and he loses. So you're going to go with Logan Paul for the win? Yeah, begrudgingly, because I kind of feel like that's the recipe. Um, I, I, I don't see how they get out of this. Like, this isn't going to be the last match either. Uh, unfortunately, this is probably going to go to, uh, you know, to maybe three, four matches. This is going to be an ongoing thing. Um, where Miz is going to be claiming that his balls are ginormous again. And, uh, you know, the t-shirt is going to get rehashed and, yeah, unfortunately, I feel like they're going to give Logan Paul the uh, the win here. I would prefer to see the Miz do it, and then just Logan to be like, "Okay, cool, that was a nice little, you know, segue into into wrestling." And uh, then he goes off to the next combat sport. Maybe he wants to go into MMA next. Yeah, I, I I'm gonna go agree with you that Logan Paul is gonna win. They're pushing him as a baby face, but he was getting mixed reaction from the crowd. Obviously, Miz is the heel. Um, so from a, they want to get more casual fans and kind of casual folks be like, ooh, who's this? Uh, I've heard of this Logan Paul person. What's he doing? Oh, he's going to be at this pay-per-view. He's going to be at the show. Maybe I'll, there might be maybe 10% of the of everyone who watch might continue to watch because he's there. But I feel like it's sort of a big deal. He's going to win in the sort of kayfabe sense. Uh, a brand new person, even though they may be kind of athletic, should not win over a guy who's a veteran and has experience and the type of thing. But, you know, it is what it is. But, yeah, I also agree that Logan Paul is going to take the victory here. Yeah, I mean, at least they're not putting him over Seth or somebody. Like, you know, somebody with actual top-tier talent clout. They're giving them the Miz. Like uh, the Miz, like we've stated before, is the safe hand. He's gonna put on a decent match and he'll make Logan Paul look good. Um, if not, the Miz is about to start a babyface run unprecedented. Uh, you know, hitherto unheard of. Remains to be seen. So we're both going with Logan Paul for the win. All right, on to the next matchup here. We have the champion Bianca Belair facing off against Becky Lynch for the WWE Raw Women's Championship. So we've been seeing the combination of Bianca and Becky with a little bit of Asuka thrown in. Who, geez, what well, seems like the past like three or so months, uh, some combination of the two of these ladies as well as Asuka thrown in, and it's just, it's been a lot. But the story of the comeback kid, Bianca, being the champion at last year's SummerSlam, the returning Becky Lynch beat her in 20 some odd seconds. It's been an, even though she's now regained the chi the title from Becky at WrestleMania, now sort of the redemption arc in Bianca's eyes to avenge that loss, even though she may have avenged it at uh, WrestleMania, that notwithstanding. But her for her loss and for her pride. But then also Becky sees it as a redemption arc for losing at Mania and kind of coming back. So interesting storytelling, getting a little long in the tooth in terms of the repetitiveness that you mentioned before. But both characters potentially have an argument here. So what do you make of this one, Joker? Long in the tooth is very appropriate because, yeah, I'm done with this. Like, I I have a couple of ways to get out of this. 
Um, and it, it brings back to my point that I stated earlier on, we need to stop having the same matches week in, week out, week in, week out with you know very little change. Um, like you said, Bianca, I feel already avenged her loss by beating Becky at WrestleMania. Um, but this is the sort of moral victory. Uh, she beat her in 14 seconds, I think. I think Becky 20, beat her in 14. 20 some odds, something like that. Very short so, match. It was something, something silly. It was a short match. Either way, Becky coming back. Uh, re, you know, re-entering uh, into the world of uh, wrestling, uh, sports entertainment after giving birth. First opponent is Bianca Belair. Big mistake, you know. Beats her, absolute squash. Um, and you crush the EST like cool. Um, uh, Bianca and Becky with Asuka has been going on since before WrestleMania and Asuka's been added in to freshen things up since her return this is way too long like this is even worse than me complaining about Seth versus Cody going on for three pay-per-views in a row like come on this is nuts like why is this still a thing I'm not sure. I think it's it's of the notion that obviously Bianca is a newer star. She's been on the main roster for now a couple of years. She's gaining traction, gaining momentum. She can show that she can hold the belt. It's questionable whether they have challengers for her to give her title reign a little bit more credibility, but that's a little bit on the WWE's booking of it. There have been some extenuating circumstances now that have seen just a combination of Becky, combination of Asuka in matches with Bianca. We've seen a number of matches with Carmella now, like two or three weeks in a row having sort of that matchup now. The unfortunate injury to Rhea Ripley. So we haven't seen much variety, but that notwithstanding, it's one of those things where I really feel like we need to bookend this matchup here because, again, I feel like Long in the Tooth is an apropos piece. Let's not rest on our laurels of, well, we've only, we can only rely on a Charlotte and we can only rely on a, a Becky. We have to give these other folks an opportunity and we, and Bianca can show that she can be entertaining and be athletic and, and, and do a match. So with yeah. that, who do you, uh, who do you see taking this one? Like I said, I have a couple of ways this could go. Um, I think the most, uh, the most logical way this is going to go is a Bianca re- retention. Um, I think that is what the WWE uh, will do because they just keep pushing her as this ultimate baby face. Like I keep seeing her all over Twitter doing all these promos, you know, going out and doing a uh, uh, meeting with fans meeting with other sports teams, talking about, you know, athletics and things like this. She's a very, very, very good ambassador for the uh, for the company. Personally, because of the way this is going, I would now like to see her without the belt. Not because I don't think she can't hold that belt, but because I don't think she needs that belt right now or needs to be around that scene. Take her away 
for a month uh, and then enter her back in with a returning Rhea Ripley whenever she's healthy off her injury. Have them go into a non-title sort of storyline, build them back up again, uh, you know, towards whatever. And then you can have Becky Lynch uh, hold the title. I do believe that the injury to Rhea maybe delayed uh, what should have been Bianca versus Rhea here. Um, I definitely think that was probably the case, considering we're supposed to have it last pay per view, and this would have been the you know this would have been the the next one in the the series, um, which would have probably been the Bianca retention into the Rhea, uh, the Rhea capturing the title on the second one. So, I think that the WWE is going to go with Bianca retaining here, but I've kind of got my fingers crossed for a Becky win. I am also in agreement that I could see this going potentially either way. Uh, I'll agree with you that Bianca has now shown that she can she she may not need the title to be successful. She can have some programs. She can just have athletic matches and still be over. Becky obviously again great character work as a, as of late. She can show that she can be entertaining. You know, you can always put the title on Becky for example. So I feel like for the storyline purposes are kind of what makes sense. Bianca should retain and then have Becky just kind of go at least away from it and then maybe have a, a an Asuka maybe be the next person or maybe a, Rip, a Rhea when she's healthy potentially be the next title holder. Um, again, with the notion of a, a Becky Lynch or, or Charlotte, again, they've shown they can hold the titles, they can do these things, they can be successful. Um, if you need in a pinch or if you need something kind of fresh change. But again, we, the notion of we can't always rely on these folks. If they get injured, though they go away, do we now have a hole in the women's division? So I feel like Bianca will take this one and they should now get apart and go on to different programs. Yeah, and just to tack on to the end of that. I am so ready for Bailey to return so that we can see her into this or maybe even possibly the other title uh, scene as well. So, yeah, just bring yeah. back Bailey, please. So, let's have some fresh matchups for sure. Right, the next matchup we are looking at here is Matt Riddle taking on Seth Rollins. I'm going to be flat out honest. I've been watching Raw and I've been watching the pay per views, and I really don't understand or fully know why these folks are battling or have heat with one another. I know that there is some sort of external heat in the past with uh, Matt Riddle's now ex wife making some comments about uh, Seth, Seth's wife, uh, Becky. So I know that they had some sort of external heat like that i'm not quite sure randy's uh riddles coming off of the the bloodline piece and and, and missing his a big bro randy and i know they had the interaction in the money in the bank matchup where they did that sort of rko off the ladder and looked like he potentially may have like jacked his neck thank goodness seth is okay but honestly i don't understand or know why these these guys are fighting maybe help me out a little bit i honestly wish i could okay because seth has literally been fed ezekiel for the last couple of weeks because there was a pseudo uh little altercation that we were like okay 
Seth needs some wins back. Let's give him Ezekiel because KO is out for a couple of weeks and he needs to be kept on TV so people don't forget about him uh, and his brother Elias and his brother Elrod. Um, so, you know, it's one of those things that kind of look at it and go, okay, 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 cool. Um, are we starting this out or is this sort of, you know, in, in the world of the storytelling that we've got currently, is this the beginning of a feud? Is this the middle of a feud? Is this a one and done? Um, I don't think that one interaction on a, in a ladder match is enough to be like, oh yeah, hundred percent. We're really, we're really angry at each other. There's just like as much as anybody wants to, you know, tell us what the deal is. If if anybody in the comments wants to tell us what the deal is from their perspective between you know making sure that riddle and, and seth have a match here please let us know because neither of us are wholly aware why these two need to be fighting right now agreed i'm a bit lost but i think these guys are both highly athletic individuals with a little bit different style so i should be a hard hit match so who in this one who do you see taking this one um that that's that's where it gets difficult because again, Riddle has been on a streak of losses coming out of the the bloodline feud that he had, um, because he he just kind of was going up and then he went straight down and like he said, floundering without uh, his his buddy Randy, and then Seth has only been getting a couple of wins, um. Honestly, without knowing why these two are going on, I can only go with. Seth because he's the bigger name. Uh it wouldn't surprise me that Riddle gets one over and we start a feud. Uh that would make sense. But if Seth wins, then this is a one and done. I'll agree with your points. If Seth wins, it's a one and done. If Riddle wins, it's the beginning of the program. Mm -hmm. But I don't see like I guess these guys just, we need something for both of them to do. They're both really not having anything or doing anything. Let's just put them in the match together because it's a pay-per-view and it's SummerSlam. But mm. I'm going to go with Seth winning this one. I'm gonna just, Yeah, I'm just going to call it right there. So, yeah, Seth wins. Yeah, I have no disagreement with that. All right. On to the next matchup here. We have the... SmackDown Women's Championship match as we see the champion Liv Morgan taking on Ronda Rousey. Of course, last pay-per-view for the Money in the Bank. Liv Morgan won the ladder match and subsequently cashed in post-match on Ronda Rousey after she defeated Natalya. Was a bit vulnerable there, ended up uh, getting the roll-up and winning, which is, uh, which is quite the jubilation for the crowd live and on social media as well. And now we're seeing them now have the appropriate sort of running it back and having the actual matchup. So what do you uh, what do you make of this one, Joker? I have to reintroduce my tinfoil hat here for a quick second, uh, because honestly, there is a little bit of conspiracy going on. Now, this is just what I have noticed and not sort of anything to do with uh, it's not in the realm of logic. Please do not crucify me for, you know, spouting an opinion here. But um, Liv 
winning money in the bank and subsequently cashing in got her this amazing push to being the SmackDown Women's Champion. And, uh, you know, Ronda came out and said that, you know, she was happy that somebody who had passion and drive and that stuff sort of got this opportunity, and that's great. Now, should there have been a plan in place for Liv to get these, she would be running around with plates weeks ago. Bingo. She never got plates until last week. Sorry, this past week. She got very basic plates. L-I-V. I know nothing too, too extravagant about them, but legit only got them this week. I don't think the plan was for Liv to hold this for very long, because I don't think that anybody believed that she would have the pop that she got. Everybody loved this. Whenever Liv got the opportunity, she's been called the Miracle Kid, you know, whatever you want to call her, I don't care. She's the SmackDown Women's Champion. And this past week on SmackDown, they decided to show Ronda tweaking her knee. And they went through that whole rigmarole of, these are the excuses, spite, 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 spite. These are the excuses we're making for Ronda. And then we have this pseudo-okay promo between uh, Ronda and Liv in the backstage area. Ronda excusing uh, Kayla Braxton, who was probably there to just rile things up as per usual. Um, and you know, Ronda didn't sound terrible on this promo coming from the heel side of things. And I do believe I, I remember it was either yourself telling me or it was somebody else like she prefers to be seen as a heel uh, going forward because she feels like she can work that way uh, because of her love for Rowdy Roddy Piper and his heel work and things that obviously inspired heavily by him. And it's just one of those things that you look towards it and go, have they sort of changed their mind now? Because it's very strange that they go weeks without Liv's plates. And, and, and for context, I have legitimately seen, I think, Bobby Lashley or Kevin Owens in a digital segment after they won a championship. I think it was a Universal or whatever title it was. And they were getting their plates changed that night. So they were available. Like these are things that people will go ahead and, and get and sort out. And Liv is only getting hers this past week. So have they changed direction? And they want to keep Liv champion? I kind of hope so. Because I would like to see, as much as I want to see Bianca without a title, I would like to see a world in which Ronda Rousey is not a title holder as well. But she's still active because she is a pseudo Brock Lesnar. I know I've used that word a couple of times now, but she is kind of like the Brock Lesnar of the women's division in the sense she comes in, she holds a title, then she loses and she goes away for a while. She hasn't really been in the scene without the belt. I'd like to see, I'd like to see uh, maybe her going up against Bianca Belair too. Yeah, there have been a majority of the time that Ronda has been active with the company that she's been the champion and that's just it is what it is i will give your point absolute merit in the sense of live only getting her plates 
basically now almost a full month, at least three plus weeks after she won the title, in the sense of they sort of shotgun the booking and say, all right, well, all right, in of the everyone that we have, fans are ready for a new star. Liv has been getting a little bit of a push, and we want to see that. So the sort of in that right circumstances or in the stars aligned, they chose to pull the trigger on Liv. So it was maybe not a full-fledged planned out thing. To your point about the likes of a Bobby Lashley, the likes of other folks having plates ready, things of that nature that obviously it's been planned out and they were prepared for that. I will agree with you that now, again, having a new star and, and, and pushing someone else and giving someone else an opportunity, you know, it's little see live, sink or swim. And, you know, let's, let's give these people a chance and you have nothing to lose. If, if you're not comfortable with a live, you can put it on a Rhonda, you can put it on a Charlotte, you can do those things. But I think it's now time to, we need a little variety and, and let's give live a little bit of a run and, and let's get fans invested and again build a little bit more of a new star type of thing in terms of the matchup uh, yeah i can see uh with the nature of ronda kind of poking the bear a little bit and maybe feeling a little bit more comfortable or natural in that sort of snarky kind of pseudo bad guy not quite a heel but i can go full heel if i need to type of thing feeling more comfortable in that than sort of your generic white meat baby face yeah i can i can see that and against this basically just full baby face live but yeah i'll agree so who you you said uh did you make your prediction of i, I didn't who, but okay. it's, it's pretty with? pretty obvious i think i want to go with live uh, yeah. i wanted to keep the title um i'd like to see ronda in the scene without the belt uh, again with the blurring of the lines between raw and smackdown i think now would be a really good time for ronda to go towards Bianca, I think that'd be a nice uh, change of pace. And should uh, should Becky lose, um, maybe Tucson SmackDown's champion in Liv Morgan, uh, you know, something something along those lines. There's always ways to change things up, and I think in this instance, we need Liv Morgan to stay champion because we do not need to see Ronda Rousey be the champion. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna say there's going to potentially be some shenanigans. They might play up a little bit of Ronda being hurt or lingering injury from that from the knee itself. I can see Charlotte coming back and kind of distracting Ronda and and playing that at that angle. That was something that I was kind of thinking about. You know, I haven't seen Charlotte in a while. She went away and got married, so yeah. she could come back and play the spoiler. So yeah, yeah, we'll see. But I'll I'll agree. I'll go with Liv because it it makes sense for the baby face and, and give her a little bit of a run and yeah. And let's see, let's see if potentially Rhonda can navigate and be successful and be sort of a team player, be kind of a big deal without having or needing to hold that title. Mm, I'd really like to see a full on heel Rhonda Rousey as well. Just going around, just absolutely dominating everything, not trying to be sportsmanship like, uh, you know, like she was trying to be whenever she was champion and had that match against Raquel. Like, come on, give me full heel Ronda Rousey, no Fs given. Maybe even whenever Charlotte comes back, they form a tag team. Like, 
that would be stupid funny uh, because they've had some heat before in the past. So, you know, it would be nice. Something new. Definitely something new. All right, we're going to take a look at the next matchup here as we see the Usos, Jay and Jimmy, as the undisputed WWE Tag Team Champions going off and facing the Street Profits of Angelo Dawkins and Montez Ford with the caveat that Jeff Jarrett will be the special guest referee. And again, this is a feud that finishing out and coming off of the Matt Riddle involvement with the bloodline this is another one that's getting a little bit long in the tooth and we're scraping by because we've seen single matchups between all the combinations of these guys bunch of different six-man combinations of these things we've seen the at the at money in the bank the controversy with the uh, yeah the shoulder being up leading to now the added measurement of having jeff jarrett now as a special guest referee so this Feud needs to end. Uh, no disrespect to either team, but they need to part ways after this. But what's what's your take on this, man? So this this is interesting, okay? Because I think this only goes one way, and we've talked about this before about how we view uh, Roman being uh, inextricably linked to the Usos now them pulling the weight uh, of SmackDown, of WWE basically in general, in his absence. The, you know, the, the tribal chief, the head of the table, the needle mover, the big oose, you know, uh, Joe Anoa'i, Roman, the man, the big dog reigns. He will not lose his titles until the Usos lose their titles. And that will be the start of the downfall of the bloodline. If J-E-double-F was not here, I would have given this to the Prophets. But because of his really weird promo, I can see, you know, J-E-double-F, Jarrett, Mr. Man here, being part of the bloodline for the night. I'm doing some work on the behest of said needle mover, said head of any table he wants to sit at even the kids table because he just rolls like that Mr. Roman Reigns I think this has an awful lot of interesting connotations and only because Jeff Jarrett is here as the special guest referee um, that and the fact that I think they're enacting the plan to unfortunately split up Angelo Dawkins and Montez Ford I will agree that the having Jeff Jarrett being an extra layer will add controversy and sort of a story to the match that notwithstanding. I feel like it's definitely going to play a factor in the finish of the matchup. So there has been rumors or conjecture going around that Solo Sokoa, the younger brother of both Jay and Jimmy, might end up being called up post SummerSlam. But I feel like it could be one of those things where he plays a factor in the matchup itself. So that's where I feel like it's going to maybe lean towards. That's a really good point. I had forgotten about Solo Sokoa. Uh, I think you'd mentioned him uh, a couple of weeks ago about the rumors, him coming up. And we were joking about him holding the U.S. and Intercontinental titles. 
Unfortunately, they're on two big boys right now that you don't really think that Solo could take on. So possibly, uh, I do see, I do see that as a possibility. I would like to see that. Actually, I should probably rephrase it like that. I would like to see him come up because, from what I've seen in NXT, like he's pretty good. You know, the brothers Anahan to go by. He, he's going to be a big star. Uh, his promos don't seem, you know, too bad at the minute. I think basically the the same level as Bianca Belair, kind of, you know, they're there, but not quite, you know, but if he's in the bloodline and comes up, he's got Paul Heyman to listen to, to, to learn from. What? Yeah, that actually, that adds another layer to this that I was not, was not thinking of, and I would like to see that. But I still maintain that Jeff Jarrett is going to be the X factor uh, for this match because when has he ever been anything but working for himself? And he's going to clearly side with Chomps here. So you're going with the Usos winning this one? I, I don't think that there's any other way that this can go because of Jeff. Uh, and like I said, that it may lead to the unfortunate split of the Street Profits as well. I'll go with Solo Sokoa uh, providing some sort of a distraction or some sort of interference to potentially distract or bother Jeff. Moves happen, bada bing, bada boom, Usos take it. So I do, I'm in agreement that maybe a slightly different way to get there, but I feel like we're both going with Usos to take it and, and, to bookend and jump on your sort of earliest point. Yeah, the, the downfall of the bloodline will definitely kind of start with the Usos before Roman loses the titles. So, yeah. But I don't think it's quite yet as at the moment. All right. Moving on to the next matchup here, we see Bobby Lashley, the United States champion, taking on Austin Theory. And this kind of goes back to the previous pay per view. Them jawjacking at one another and ended up with including pose downs and with money in the bank and it opened there and Bobby Lashley ended up defeating Austin Theory to take the United States Championship. And they've been after the night where Austin Theory ended up winning the Money in the Bank briefcase. We've seen them sort of diverge a little bit, only kind of come back a little bit in the sense of yeah, I want my title back. And that's kind of only really been the build to this specific matchup where it's been Austin now showing up on every show and just jaw jacking. I'm going to take the title. Boom. I'm going to, uh, I interrupted the matchup with the street profits promo. And then, uh, Oh yeah, I'm putting Romans Romans name in my mouth. And then come the Uso, so it's been an interesting piece, but so it's been less about the U.S. title than it's been about Theory's involvement with the Money in the Bank briefcase. But still, what are your what are your take on this matchup? So I've added another layer to my take for this because of you mentioning Solo Sokoa and the, the aforementioned, you know, holding all the titles mid card. He needs the United States title, so. Like you had said before, they had uh, this big old pose down, a couple pose downs, a couple of weeks. They had the had this uh, program set up for Money in the Bank. And that was good and all was glorious whenever Bobby, the almighty, uh, 
took down theory and took the title back. But they haven't done anything. Like, there's been no theory chasing him, except for recently, where like, I want my title back. And you're just kind of looking at him going, all right, take a phone out of your hand, finally, but now you've got the briefcase. Just, and I'm, I'm honestly, every time I look at him, I'm like this, I just shake my fist and go, just do something else. And um, the lack of build for this outing is disturbing. Mainly because Bobby hasn't done much compared to what you had just mentioned. Theory being on every show, Theory injecting himself into a rather upper card program, because let's face it, anything to do with the bloodline is Roman Reigns territory. Because if you mess with the Usos, you mess with Reigns, and he's... Theory is injecting himself in there with the briefcase. So it's murky. It has a lot of room for disaster for theory. And I can see uh I can see Bobby Lashley um I can see Bobby Lashley just kind of existing in this match, if I'm honest, which is very disappointing as a Bobby Lashley fan. Like, I don't like the fact he hasn't had the chance to impose his will on Theory and say, no, well, I don't want this because it's my title and you're just some upstart. It seems to me after the, the divergence of Money in the Bank, Lashley has his trophy, which is the United States Championship, and he's now Theory, even though he lost it, now he has his trophy in the Money in the Bank briefcase, and they've diverged, and they're again the the build up to this match is only superfluous, and it's just kind of lackluster, and there's really nothing going on outside of maybe like one promo is basically like, dude, I'm gonna challenge you because I want my title back. Um, there hasn't been, but again, yeah, they've been sort of on different wavelengths and different storylines. So, mm. yeah. Um, but who do you who do you see taking this one? So. I have theory winning this. And I had theory winning this beforehand because of a rumor and because of the aforementioned lack of build and, and the unfortunate uh, segments that theory seems to be in everything. Bobby doesn't seem to be any in anything. So I'm just kind of going by. They're going to give this title back to theory. And it was based on the rumor that he is then going to unsuccessfully cash in on the winner of the main event of this uh, of this particular pay-per-view and obviously be unsuccessful, but still have the United States title. But then with the added bonus of you mentioning Solo Sokoa possibly being here, the title's now on theory. A much more manageable gnat for the bloodline to squash. Because Bobby hasn't injected himself into their business. He hasn't been that silly. But Theory has been. So what better way to punish Theory than to take his United States title away and give it to Solo Sokoa? I'm, I'm just being fantasy booker again here, PT. I like to do it all the time. But I do feel like 
that would be hilarious from the standpoint that I would love to see Theory hit this big high, this low, remain quite high because I've still got my belt, so I'm still I'm still all there. It's okay, it's just a little bump in the road. I'm the youngest ever two-time US, blah, 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 blah. Only for him to be knocked down a peg and then, you know, build himself back up from there. I think it would be interesting to see. Interesting points there. I'm going to go with Bobby winning, and he has his championship, and he has his trophy. In theory, still having his trophy in the briefcase. I'll agree at some point, I don't feel like Theory's going to be successful with his cash-in. There's been a lot of hinting at this is when he's going to cash-in the post-matchup for the main event, the championship matchup. It's going to be unsuccessful type of thing, but... I can see him kind of being super frustrated and kind of being type of that type of notion of kind of his next storyline of he lost the US championship match, he lost his briefcase type of thing. Or they, or which I really feel like they should do is just swerve, 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 hint it, hint at it, hint at it, and him being super cocky heel and just be like, you know what? I don't want to do this right now and not cash in and continue to hold it so he still has his trophy. But I see Bobby Lashley taking this one. I can't be mad at that because, you know, I think I've stated before that I'm a big Bobby Lashley mark, love the man, think he's great, needs to be on TV more. Uh, wouldn't mind him losing the United States Championship only for him to start holding the, the Uru titles. So, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a big proponent of Bobby Lashley because I one day want to see Bobby Lashley versus Big E, WrestleMania, main event for all the titles every single belt all right so we are a little bit split on a decision but we definitely have ideas of where we want these guys to go post matchup next one here we have pat mcafee versus happy corbin so this has been an interesting one i'm a little concerned because it's never a good idea when you have a wrestler facing off against a commentator even though one with personality and a bit of athleticism but this has been a really weird build. Again, I do like the notion of there's the picture been sharing on Twitter about, again, they were teammates in the late 2000s with the Indianapolis Colts. And then now it's been 10 or 11 or 13, 12 years in the making in terms of their quote unquote rivalry. But yeah, a little bit sneak attack, a little bit of childish antics in terms of nicknames and kind of weird uh build up and and kind of promo work between the two but this is an interesting matchup what do you see about this one i am excited for this match yeah. i am very much excited for this match because like you stated you, you know this is a commentator versus a a, a wrestler um but I have been watching Pat McAfee uh, for a while because after he had retired from football, I had watched his podcast. His podcast mostly about football, American football. I do enjoy American football. Pretty hard for me to catch matches, and even whenever I do, they're always late at night anyway, and I can never get a decent recap. But I digress. Um, and Pat McAfee always has really good insights on onto that world, and 
whenever he was starting this job, he was always talking about how he uh how he wanted to be a wrestler, how he uh he wants to be this, that, and the other. Like it was one of his dreams before even being a football player. And it's an understatement to say this man has some athletic uh competence because he is very athletic. Uh there was there, in his, against his match against Theory, there was uh, vignettes and, pro, and promos cut. And shown in the, the wee vignettes were videos of him in a homemade ring uh, trying to uh, get his way into NXT and stuff years ago. And uh, like even other videos about him have serviced that he just looks really good. And in that match against Theory, he did really well. In his match against Adam Cole in NXT, he did really well. People were surprised by Pat. And I think the, the hit-and-run tactics by Happy Corbin are great because we're not seeing anything from Pat. Pat's not instigating these, but it's all Corbin coming in, blindsiding him, and... Uh, a little bit of an aside, I did think it was kind of funny whenever uh, Cole, um, Michael Cole this is, maybe want to push Pat into the way, or maybe try and save him on the commentary. I was like, are you confused there, Michael? Do you, do you not know whether you want to protect yourself? Um, which was really funny, but the the, the side attack from, from Corbin, and then Pat obviously chasing back, coming back, cutting a really, really good promo. The man is sick on the mic. Absolutely amazing. And if he has half the skill in the ring that he does on the mic, then this is just going to be a great match. Yeah, granted, you mentioned the matchups with Adam Cole and then the War Games matchup with the Undisputed Era and the matchups with Theory and things like that. Guys shows athleticism and, and surprised folks that weren't familiar with him. So he's got some he's got some tools, can be athletic, can do some moves. Again, he's had some time to train, can speak on the mic. You know, to varying degrees of folks, whether you like his style or uh, you don't, you know, again, you got to give the guy some credit for that. So, yeah, it should be, it's an interesting build to it. Again, just, uh, I'm always weary of wrestler versus announcer type of situations because mm. it, it almost screams lack of creative or kind of, uh, all right. But again, you're playing off a little bit of the semi celebrity nature of Pat with, uh, with Baron Corbin here, but that notwithstanding, who do you see taking this one? Like you said, it's very hard to kind of gauge between commentator and wrestler who's going to get the win. You know, who deserves it? Is it celebrity? Is it physical competition? Pat McAfee's taking the win. I want to see him take the win because uh, I feel like um, I feel like it would be great to have him win this match and then go back to being commentator. If he loses this match, he maintains into a, a program with Corbin. Like That is the only way that goes, because Corbin will not let him live it down. Corbin will attack him again. Corbin will be like, oh, I'm better than you. You know, I was better than you at the football field because all you could do was kick a ball and I was whatever and, you know, this, that and the other. And, you know, he's just going to never let Pat live it down and then we're going to have to run it back. This way, 
we do get the celebrity starters match Pat McAfee and he, I get it he is really hard to sometimes he's hard to, to deal with he has that jock mentality he is a jock uh, and I find him entertaining a lot of people don't uh, but I feel like this match is his to just his to lose because Corbin is probably going to be taking some time off and then to come back and be put into another program with somebody else after this. I don't feel like their idea is to keep Pat McAfee um, as a wrestler for a long time unless they put him out injured, replace him on the commentary desk, have him surprise return and work some programs that way. This is not the way to get him into that. So, one and done, I'm McAfee to win. I think your, not say your argument, but your reasoning had swayed me to potentially seeing Pat potentially win this match. It's one of those, again, I'm always conflicted commentator. Even though you might be athletic, do you win against the guy who's in and out and, and is a wrestler? Interesting notion, right? Who do we see being sort of successful in that aspect? Can Pat take a win? Sure. Can he eat? Can he eat a loss? Of course he can. He's a commentator, and B can continue to do his job. You know, can Happy Baron Corbin here? You know, would it if he wins? I feel like he'll that sort of nature of him kind of shoving it in the face to your point type of thing. If he loses type of thing, he'll kind of be. I feel like he'd want a rematch either way. So like, it's this one. This is a tough one to call, but. I feel like it would do more for Corbin to win than it would hurt Pat to to lose type of thing. So I don't know. I it's one of those again. I I can go a coin flip, but I don't know. I feel like Corbin can use the win more than Pat. I don't disagree. I don't think Corbin has had a win in a long time. I just don't remember the last time it mattered for Corbin. Um. Like Pat won against Theory, and that was a WrestleMania. Corbin exists. Like he's not in a. This is why. This is another reason why I don't think that Corbin will win. And you know, it, it is more to the, to your point that uh, who is it better for? I don't think it's better for either of them, but I just don't think it's. I don't think it's best to have Corbin stay because, like. If we if we look at Corbin, he's had uh, that program with Moss, um, and then uh, this program with Pat back to back, both kind of a, on a on a bit of a down on a bit of a down turn here. Um, so it would make sense for Corbin to take a step back, but you can't have Pat take a step back, which is the only reason in my head we were like. Pat wins, you know, he gets on that high, he does the jock thing, and he calls the Roman Reigns and, and Brock Lesnar match afterwards, because he's obviously going to be commentating right up until his match. And then he's going to come back for the main event because it's the head of the table. Yeah, so I don't know. We can we can see it going either way. So it's definitely an, it's gonna be just a fun one to match to watch and kind of see how it plays out. Definitely, definitely gonna be a fun match. All right, and our last matchup here 
is the last man standing match for the undisputed WWE Universal Championship as we see champion Roman Reigns taking on Brock Lesnar. Again, with Roman having the quite the long reign, no pun intended, and him, again, just being on his summer vacation. He's going to be making an appearance this coming Monday on Raw for the 20th anniversary celebration for Rey Mysterio. But, yeah, we're going to see, the for the first time ever, Brock versus Roman in the first meeting. Of course, jokingly. But, I can't uh, wait to see the first meeting between these two, yeah. Hundred percent. Yeah, I wonder what it's what this kind of matchup's going to be like. But well, uh, it's one of those where we see Brock is the break glass in case of emergency because we kind of again we're we're seeing this matchup again facetiously, of course, before. But now, yeah, it's one of those. Who else? We need a big pay per view, and you know. Who else do we have? And we just we went with Brock. So what do you what's your take on this match? You ask who else do we have? Goldberg. We we talked about this before, obviously with the issues surrounding uh Vince uh retiring, there was the well documented uh baby rage strap off of Brock Lesnar. True or not, I'm not here to dispute to dispute that because Brock Lesnar would kill me if he knew anywhere, you know, if I spouted lies about him, he would find where I lived and, and kill me. So I think that if Brock follows through with his I'm out of here, if he's out of here notion, uh, then the only person that it could have been or could be, because card's subject to change, uh, as it says, it could be Goldberg. Um and I didn't mention this point to you earlier on. If it's Goldberg, we know who's winning. Like, we know how long that match is going to be. We know who's winning that match. And nothing else matters. If it's Brock Lesnar, there's doubt. Um, and he brings reasonable doubt to a match like this, especially because it's last, mass, last man standing. Yeah, so Joker mentioned a little bit of the nature of this potentially having some controversy around it. The aforementioned notion that with the news breaking that Vince was retiring, uh, there was reports that Brock was kind of a little bit bummed or kind of upset and ended up leaving the arena in Boston during the SmackDown Live taping well, this past Friday. And essentially, in so many words, it reports, well, if he's gone, I'm gone type of thing. But ended up, looks like they found a way to kind of cooler heads prevail and have him come back at least and do a promo, or rather a segment at the end of SmackDown. But there was uh, reports that if Brock is not game for this matchup, then they might make overtures to, to have Goldberg be the replacement. That notwithstanding should be... If it's indeed Brock, or if it ends up being Goldberg as a replacement, should be a should be a Haas a Haas matchup, regardless. Yeah, it's going to be a big Haas match. Um, I the the best drama for me is to have this match start off with a Brock win, like looking like he's going to win. Um, 
and then just having Roman play the the dirty heel running away. Because uh, Last Man Standing is it's no count out. There's it's no holes barred. It's 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 there's no rules, right? There's no count outs to this. It, yes, it's essentially no disqualification, no count out, no pinfall, no submission. Knock the guy down for a ten count, essentially. Yeah, I would love to see a return to um, uh, a return to the good old days in quote you know air quotes here, where we spill out to the back. And we take a bit of a trip around catering. I don't think we will do that, but you know, it would be it would be a nice little throwback, uh, especially with uh, this new era uh, starting. This could be a real good kickoff for that. You know, I'm going to keep on advocating for it, and um, I would like to see Brock come out strong, dominate uh, Roman. Uh, possibly showing a little bit of weakness. Not having been in the ring for like just as long as Brock, let's face it. And um, then Roman coming out with the uh, the solo Sokoa uh, interference, the Usos interference, uh, Sami Zayn interfering. That'd be great to see. You know the honorary Us come out and uh, and have some interference. Uh, yeah, that'd be. That'd be great. I, this is another match that I'm looking forward to, actually. So with all those things considered, who do you see taking this one? Roman Reigns. Fair enough. Head I... of every table he wants to sit at, including the kids' table. I'm in agreement. I see Roman. Roman taking this. If it, if it stays the course and it's Brock, Haas matchup, the but I still see Roman in terms of storyline holding it. If if there's ends up being the possibility that they change up the match, it still seems like Roman's going to take it as well. It's not quite ready for him to be taking the title off until they find, I guess, the appropriate person to find it or fits in a story and type of thing like that. So let him hold it through Survivor Series so we can have a Roman Reigns versus Roman Reigns match as the WWE champion and the universal champion taking on each other. So for sure. I mean, they, they have already found the perfect person to take the title off. They just need to wait for his schedule to clear up and for him to stop, you know, acting and take a couple of weeks off so you can train and, you know, his, his the rock has to come back and give him that match. And then, you know, win the title and then have the, the theory the next night on. Raw. So, as a caveat, do we see a cash-in at post-match? Do we see cash-in? Um, well, I had said, obviously, after the Bobby Lashley match, that I do see Theory winning and then cashing in his, his luck, as it were, saying, well, I'm the US champion, I'm going to cash-in. Uh, I do see a cash-in, and I do see an unsuccessful uh, cash-in if and the only way that there is a cash-in is if there is no interference or no one surrounding Roman at the time of his victory. If Solo Sokoa and the Usos are all out of the ring, as well as the honorary Us, there is no chance. Because he would have to fight his way to Roman to cash it in. Now, 
There is the added caveat that maybe Brock takes everybody out. <laughs> that Brock could take everybody out. Brock could then, you know, get take the pin, no sell the pin, walk out, walk past Theory, you know, slap him in the face too. <laughs> and then he rides off into the sunset and does cowboy Brock things. So it it is all up in the air, but I would really like to see a field cash in just so I could uh I can live out that dream of having theory have his uh, uh United States title take away. To the point about a cash in, they've been hinting at it, they've been banging it off the wall. It's been sort of theory's piece now. I'm wondering with Vince being away from creative and being away now, with sort of Austin Theory being his sort of pet project or obviously being a favorite does that change his booking yeah does that change up things there but uh, I do not see a cash in those are our predictions for SummerSlam so let us know your predictions and your thoughts down in the comment section below or on Twitter and Instagram for sure and don't forget to add in your best imaginary booker scenarios because that's pretty much all i do now I've, I've i've just wanted to imaginary book everything finally got the pencil brother mm, I'm, I'm actually going to get a pencil for next time i smell a gimmick coming i smell merchandise i smell t-shirts <laughs> so. but definitely let us know what your thoughts are surrounding SummerSlam pay-per-view all right time for some quick hits so once again, for the newer folks joining us, quick hits are little segments that happen throughout the week that we may not have gotten a chance to speak on before, but they are little moments that we enjoyed or had fun with. They're sort of the pop the boys segments throughout the week. So I actually have a, a couple small ones here. Uh, firstly, here on this past week's episode of AW Dynamite, we had a backstage promo featuring Chris Statlander, Athena, and Willow Nightingale. And this, of course, was ahead of the tag team matchup pitting Jade Cargill against Kira Hogan, uh, facing off against the aforementioned Athena and Nightingale. Uh, Tony Schiavone doing the interview, mentioning that Stokely Hathaway says that Statlander has to sit out the match, to which Chris responds, I think it's pretty obvious why, and then hits the side of her head, and of course... And uh, I love the fact that uh, Athena on the side laughs and obviously gets the reference, of course, is a wonderful homage to what culture's own resident nice guy, Simon Miller, uh, featuring his slap the head moment and his Y series. So very nice reference. And I was like, oh, wait, hey, it's Simon Miller. I think everybody in the know for that reference heard the theme song, you know, like the whatever he says, why here's why. and then the dong you know what I, I heard it as soon as she said it i heard that in my head and seeing athena corpse in for this as well i was like yes because the only reason i saw this because uh, was because i stupidly went on twitter again like i normally do every uh, every day after a wrestling uh evening and i saw simon popping for it himself I saw his tweet and it was great. And everybody was like, you know, Simon, you made it. You know, this is so great seeing this happen on TV. And, you know, if you know, you know, if you don't, it's just a really good, uh, it's a really good little segment. Yeah, definitely nice. And uh, it's, it's cool to see 
folks and that have put in work within the community itself, pundits or type of things like that, sort of have little nods and kind of things we've seen. This reference with Gristatlander, we've seen in signs in the crowd that says, hey, Simon, give me an up type of thing. So it's, it's nice. And again, for those that are familiar with Simon, all around just kind of really nice guy and can speak fairly and objectively about stuff in wrestling. And uh, yeah, one of those things to kind of just have a nice little reference to him. He always definitely uh, brings the positivity to uh, the world of wrestling. So for my next quick hit here, I had a kind of had to rewind moment. So just before the Kingston and Jericho barbed wire everywhere match, again on this past week's episode of Dynamite, we had Excalibur reading off the lines for the promotions as well as a promo for the trailer for the House of Dragons coming up and he does his sort of long-winded and sort of out of breath piece and we have J jim ross sitting next to him making a talladega nights reference saying quote well you're all jacked up on mountain dew aren't you and i absolutely <laughs> laughed when i heard that and i had to rewind and be like did he just say that did he say what i think he said so yeah, if he had a continued on, and I'm just gonna come at you like a spider monkey. Like if he had a responded with that, I would have. I, I, yeah, it, it would have sent me over the edge. Whenever I heard that, I was like, yeah, Jr., good job, man. This that was great. Again, this harkens back to our kind of previous quick hits and our discussion of of Jr. Just no f's given, just going out there and freestyling and just sort of enjoying the he moment. Just does what he wants. So I had a, a big old pop uh, for both of these pieces here that happened this past week. Uh, Joker, do you have any quick hits for this week? I do not. I really enjoyed both of those pops uh, that you had mentioned. I thought that they were really, really good. Uh, there was nothing else that that uh, that sort of bent me double this week. Um, so I'm, I'm just, I don't know, my standards are too high this week, I think. Yeah, it's one of those things that... Again, quick hits are just little tiny segments. Again, it was a uh, two small references that happened to be sort of in promos, wasn't specifically expressly in like a matchup or anything like that. But it was just like, oh, like I, I really liked that. I kind of found it funny. I enjoyed it. And again, sometimes there's ebbs and flows in terms of what happens throughout the week, and sometimes there's things that we had a pop the boys moment. And sometimes there aren't. So. It's always nice to just have that rewind moment, like you said, and go back and go, did he just say that? He did. Go back and have another laugh at it and uh, enjoy it even more, because that's what it's all about. All good. So if you folks listening out here have any some quick hits for the week, definitely let us know for sure. All right, so this is a little bit of a long show, but we appreciate everybody hanging in there with us, so it's going to about wrap it up for us. Joker, how was this one for you, bud? Long, bud. It's long. We we need to stop. We need to stop going so long. We have a lot of uh, thoughts and ideas around these topics for sure, so... I but... hear you, dude. I'm going to stop fantasy booking. I get it. So we'll see how uh, how things play out, but yeah, definitely had a fun kind of talking about this. A little, little heavy on the material here today. So hopefully you guys enjoyed it with us. But 
even if it's uh, the subject matter may be intense at times, we try to just kind of give our notions and thoughts and try to liven it up a little bit. So, All right. With that being said, for TF Joker. Thank you very much for bearing with us. And for me, Pretty Tony, we thank you for your time and letting us be a part of your day. And remember, be good to yourself, be good to each other. And we'll catch you next time. Peace.